0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. This is week two of our Set Apart series, and I was given the title of Holiness Last. And when Pastor Simon gave that to me, I sent Jesse over there a message and I said, Is there. What's Simon saying to me? Like, you know, I, I have to preach on holiness last, but I got over myself. And, <laughs> and that's what we're going to pray tonight. So I really felt like, let's just honor the word of the Lord tonight. Let's stand up and let's read, read, read this aloud together, something we don't do often, but just for tonight, as it's the first service of 2024, let's be together in community. Now the serpent was more crafty And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then, jumping down to verse 21, and the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So this is the fall of mankind, right? And we know the story well. The serpent comes and tempts and deceives Eve. And Adam and Eve eat of the forbidden fruit, and they disobey God. And in a moment, they are cast out of the Garden of Eden. We know the story. But what's really interesting is this is chapter 3, right? And up until this point, God has been creating the universe, and every single day of creation, as it is the evening of that creation, God marvels at his own handiwork. And he says a phrase. He says, it is good. Every single evening, it is good. And then on the sixth day, he creates man. And he says, it is very good. And in fact, if you read the text, what he says is that he he pervade everything he had made. He saw everything he had created and he said, it is very good. But what happened from it is very good to this awful, tragic, absolutely disastrous moment that we've just read about? From being very good, how did we arrive at this single moment that literally sets the rest of the Bible story in motion? In fact, it sets the rest of human history in motion from this moment, right? Well, here we go. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Not a nice picture. (laughs) talking snakes. I mean, seriously. But that is a created being, right? The serpent was part of God's created order. And by no means is he equal to God. In fact, Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 tells us who the serpent is. Who is he? Lucifer. He is the devil. He literally is the devil. And As I was thinking about that, that God is the creator and they are not equal, this is so important for us to understand if we're going to grasp holiness, because there's a myth out there that, that there's a big fight between good and evil, and we're really hoping good wins. That's utter nonsense. God is the creator. That is a created thing. Who is greater The creator is greater. Now, we've got to get it into our heads. We have one. God is the victor. And this demon, this Satan, this king of the demons is doing what? He's doing the one thing he can do to influence you and I is to whisper in our ears. That is the power he has. The only power he has is what we give him. When we agree with him, we give him power because he has none of his own. Do you understand that? When Jesus died, it says that he went to hell and he took the keys of Hades. What Satan thought was his kingdom, he suddenly realized is his punishment. And Jesus took the keys. What does that tell you? He cannot do anything apart from God knowing it. Now, he hates God's creation. He knows that the place that's going to hurt God most is his children. You know how much your parents love you. When something goes wrong in your life, you see how much your parents love you. Even if you haven't spoken to them for three years, they are there. And Satan knows that, and so he's whispering to the pinnacle of God's creation. He's coming to do what he does, which is to deceive It says that he's more crafty. When you look, at, look up that word crafty, it says sly, cunning, shrewd. In this moment, he is being absolutely true to his nature. And in the book of John chapter 4, no, sorry, it's here somewhere. It went out of it. John 8 verse 44, Jesus tells us the nature of Satan. He says he is the father of lies. He is the father of deception, of falseness. And so what is he doing here? He is showing his true nature. He is only coming to deceive. He said to Eve, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Isn't that interesting? He knew God's command. You see, that command was given in 217. We'll, we'll look there in a moment. He knows what God said. Satan loves the truth because he wants to twist it. He might know the Bible better than you and I do. In fact, he does. The Scriptures tell us that. And so his one motive in this moment is to question God's Word. He wants to come and sow a seed of doubt in Eve's mind. He's coming to bring mistrust into Eve's heart about who God is about his goodness and his holiness. You see, it's impossible for God to lie. (laughs) Hebrews 6.18 says it. And Numbers 23 verse 19 says, he is not a man that he should lie. Now, let me help you with this. This isn't a a moral choice God has made. He is truth. Think about that for a minute. See, when truth speaks, it is truth. So if God decided that tomorrow the sky should be purple, and he said, let it be purple, whatever science needs to happen to create that will will happen. We will all die, right? Because something has gone horribly wrong in the universe. But if God wants it and he says it, it is true. Do you get what I'm saying? So God cannot lie because he is truth. So when he says it, it is truth. Satan is exactly the opposite. And can you hear what I'm saying? Some of you weren't sure in the beginning. This is where spiritual warfare happens. This is where spiritual warfare happens. We don't scream at demons. We make choices because we've given ear. The the manifestation is us. And you see it in the story. So deception means to mislead by appearance or statement, to delude. And the, the serpent is giving Eve false statement about who God is. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. This is Eve talking back. To the snake. Now, this is just a really, really good, wise tip. If a snake starts speaking to you in a garden, don't talk back to it. Okay, phone a friend, call the ambulance, do whatever you need, but do not talk back to the snake. Take your meds. And is this where it all started going wrong is that Eve actually starts talking back she entertains a conversation with the snake yeah. Now the original command that was given to Adam it happened before Eve was created there it is Genesis 2:17 But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die It's clear right mm-hmm. that tree do not eat. Why? Yeah. I, who was here on New Year's Eve when I spoke about the promises of God, right? There's a condition. Eat of the fruit, die. Okay? Clear. There's nothing confusing about that, right? Can you see what Eve added into that? Okay, we'll come there in a moment. So what, three, what Genesis 3 tells us is that Adam had obviously explained this to Eve. She knew the command. Not only did she know the command, but she obviously feared God enough and believed that God was authoritative enough that he could command because she has obeyed the command. But then she's done something interesting. What has she added? You shouldn't even touch the tree. God doesn't say that. And this is what happens to us as human beings. We want to please God. We want to be righteous. But we start getting weird about stuff. We mustn't eat it. In fact, we shouldn't even touch it. Don't think about it. Don't look at it. And what we do is we create an even more impossible standard for ourselves. Her saying, don't even touch it, is meaning she's interested. There's something curious going on there. She understands her own nature. And now she's given herself an even more impossible task. All God said was, don't eat it. If you eat it, you'll die. Very clear. But what we do as as human beings is we try and be more righteous than God. God is the only one who knows right from wrong. And in fact, Isaiah says that God is the only one who can tell you what is right and wrong. It is his choice alone. We cannot choose what is right and wrong. And that statement is Eve adding righteousness upon righteousness, making an impossible task for her to keep. She is setting herself up to fall. And that's what we do. There are things the Bible calls sin. Be aware of that. There are things it does not call sin. Do not make it sin. On a mission trip to Zimbabwe, in one of the real crisis situations of Zimbabwe, there was a, we were supposed to go do ministry on the campus and there was a moratorium against any involvement on the campus because everything was so political, right? And we went and visited hospitals and we went to orphanages and we did whatever we could do to minister and we We were invited to a church, and we went along to the church. And this is a nation in crisis. And for an hour and a half, the minister spoke about why women shouldn't wear makeup. Is that how relevant the church is? Do you see what I'm saying? If you want to wear makeup, wear makeup. One of our pastors in the past said, we don't preach against anything that works. But... um, In in case you're wondering, it was Pastor Bill Bennett who said that. I've never forgotten that. I feel like that's true. We we, we will not preach against anything that works. It's so wrong. I'm sorry, Jesse. I'm sorry. I repent. I repent. But the point I'm making is, why are we making stuff that the Bible doesn't say is sin, sin? What are we doing? We're just setting ourselves up for failure and distraction. And that's what Eve is doing here. All she needed to do was not eat the fruit. Done. Quite simple, right? But that other little thing, ooh, but what if? And it's interesting to me that she says that to the serpent, because obviously he said something and she's interested, right? Because something in her own heart is already, there's an idea. Are you getting it? But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. If you know your Sunday school story, that tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And so, the serpent keeps lying to Eve. And this is something you have to understand. The devil has no creativity of his own. He has no creative power. He cannot make anything. All he can do is corrupt what exists. All he can do is imitate what God has already made. And the good news for you and I is that we don't need to go study the devil to know his tactics. Yeah, they are. This is it. He has no other plan. This is his plan, right? And so... What are his tactics? Well, he undermines the word of God. He questions the word of God. Did he really say? So he has the trick. When your brain starts saying to you, did God really say? Is it really sin? You know who's talking. What is inside of you? Do you want to be like God? I mean, can we just be honest here? We all want to rule our own lives. I know I do. In fact, when I get cross with God, I want to be all self-righteous, but what's really happening is I want my way. I will confess that to you. It's what humans do. And so when Eve heard that, that thing in her came up, right? Could I be like God? Could I dictate my own way? So that's what he does. He undermines the word of God. Then he denies the reality of divine judgment. He minimizes the cost of disobedience. You won't die. You'll be okay. And that's in the modern world what happens because there isn't an immediate consequence to sin, right? Yeah. There isn't. Lightning is not coming out the sky striking anybody dead. Re- it isn't. Can I explain why that is? Is because you are responsible for your own life. Something I've been thinking about is there's been a lot of exposing of leaders, sexual sin, and we can ask, but God, how do you allow it? God does not allow it. God gives us his word, and then we are responsible for our lives before him. God isn't allowing anything, but God respects your free will more than you do. And that leader knows the truth. You know the truth. I know the truth. I am responsible before God. God. So we can't blame God for that nonsense. That is purely people. And we need to do better at helping them truly repent and truly make restitution because that's the problem, right? You, if you hurt people and you go and repent before God, He will forgive you. But the second part is making restitution. That's the bigger problem in the church, right? But we won't be humble and actually admit, I made a mistake. I did it because I wanted to. And now I realize what it's caused and I will help fix that that's what's needed so are you getting this and when we condemn other people we must call out sin right we must call out. but when we condemn other people we better be ready to be take responsibility for our own lives and and the lie there is that because there isn't an immediate consequence oh maybe god's okay with us no we know the truths and one day we're going to stand before our maker And give accountability for our own lives. And nobody else is going to be in that meeting. And no other name is going to matter to God. And so when the devil comes to deny the reality of divine judgment, if you suddenly think, oh, well, I had sex with my girlfriend. Oh, nothing happened. Oh, okay. No. That's happening in here. He attacks the character of God. He's not good. And that's what's really happening. God's holding out on you. He doesn't want to share his glory with you. He's living in a better Eden than you've got. Whatever, I don't know. But that's what he's trying to suggest. Something in Eve is believing it. Something in her is buying it, right? And then all of this paints a false picture of freedom. What the world thinks freedom is today is doing whatever I want. It's a kind of freedom. But here's the problem with that kind of freedom. You can do whatever you want. I've just told you, your free will God honors more than you do. It's your choice. Do whatever you want. But what's going to come, that you have no control over. And there are three or four psalms that talk about the righteous looking at the unrighteous and seeing them sin wildly and given to every pleasure, and there doesn't seem to be any consequence. The end of all those psalms is, yes, but there will be a judgment day. (laughs) And so how is that freedom, doing whatever you want? Because you will have a price to pay. Freedom in Jesus is he has paid the price. He has taken the consequence. But that doesn't mean we can just do what we want. We have to live the way he wants us to live. And that's really what holiness is, that we just live the way Jesus wants us to live. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So can we just acknowledge that when I keep saying Eve, Adam is standing right there. (laughs) right there, because he, re- he doesn't object, yeah. he says nothing, he just eats the fruit, whatever Eve was thinking and feeling, he was feeling it exactly the same, except he was the loser, he wasn't even going to admit he's there, <laughs> Eve was at least upfront about it, so I just want to get that out the way, but that is, that is the fact, every theologian understands Adam is a part of this, he's not innocent. And in fact, he's got a greatest sin because he did give her the command. And now he's, what's happening? (laughs) We'll give you a second. (laughs) And so what's happening here? The more Eve listens to the lies of the serpent, the more she begins to agree with his word. She's never given this tree this much consideration in her life. Because we don't know how old she is by this time, right? could have been two million years. This is also something we don't understand in these verses, right? She's walked past it day by day, just obeyed God. Now suddenly, she's doing what? It's delighting the eyes. It's desire to make you wise. It's good for food. How does she know? She's never eaten the fruit of that tree. But if you're about to throw away your entire future, that better be the best fruit you've ever eaten in your life, right? It's like she's never noticed the good attributes of this tree. But in a moment, she picks, she eats, she sins, she disobeys God. And Adam's right there with her, doing exactly the same thing. And in a moment, their eyes are opened, right? That's what it says there. And what do they realize? That they're both naked. And their innocence is lost. Nothing's changed. They just know they're naked. And so can you see, and this is the other tactic of Satan, he didn't fully lie about their eyes being opened, right? He told them, your eyes will be opened. He didn't tell them what they were going to see. So Satan always adds a little bit of truth to make his lies and deception believable. But instead of self awareness and wisdom, all they see is their nakedness. And instead of glory, shame now engulfs their heart and identity. See, God was protecting them, His glory covered them. When the glory of God covers you, you're mighty, you're strong. Your confidence is secure. Your hope is made real, right? When you are your own covering, you've got nothing. And they didn't even have underpants. So what do they do? They sew fig leaves together to try and cover themselves because they have lost the covering of God's glory and holiness. And I always say this, but... We grew up in a house, my mom loves figs, and we had a fig tree. And I mean, there's different kinds of fig trees, but this particular one had these really big fan leaves, but they were really hard and they had like a weird itchy substance on the inside. I mean, seriously, not good underpants material, I can tell you right now. (laughs) The only thing they got going for them is that they're large, but every other thing about them is absolutely wrong. And I feel like that is a picture of the inappropriateness of when we try and cover ourselves. And what do we do? We grasp for the nonsense around us, and that's where we create idols. And that becomes our identity, because I cannot admit to myself that I am this broken and weak and useless. How will I wake up tomorrow? I cherish it. That's the English word. To cherish something means you hide it and keep it and protect it. I cherish my shame. But what I cherish becomes my identity. I believe I'm nothing. So what am I pulling? And there's two things we do. Either we go fully depraved, Or we go super self-righteous that is the the spectrum of sin self-righteousness makes god sick in revelation to laodicea he says your lukewarmness i puke you out i vomit you up depravity is awful to god it's all the same it's sin why because we are trying to present to him our righteousness which is as filthy rags. And so whatever we try and cover ourselves with, fame, fortune, work, woman, men, shoes, Instagram, it just, it can't. Pastor Quinson was talking this morning and he gave me even more to consider because he made this comment that when, after you pick a fig tree off the leaf, it begins to die. I mean, off a tree, it begins to die. There's a time limit on your fig leaf. And it just gets more dry and more withered until it falls apart. And then we're just grabbing for more. And that is highly insecure. And people, we've all lived there, right? I've done it. And then we blame God and we're so upset with God and we're so angry. And he's the covering. And this is the issue of holiness. Holiness is easy when we just hide ourselves in Jesus. When we try and make ourselves holy, it is awful it's the hardest job in the world because it's impossible it doesn't exist when God says be holy as I am holy it's in Peter right we use that scripture a lot in the prayer meetings. if you go and cross-reference it it will take you to Leviticus or Deuteronomy and it will be a weird scripture like don't eat seafood <laughs> or look after your donkeys or in one instance don't have sex and wash your clothes that can't possibly be what Peter means right What is he saying? He's saying be holy as God is holy through Jesus Christ. He is our holiness. And so believing the serpent's lies makes them willfully disobey God and they can no longer trust in his goodness, kindness, love, or mercy. And that's what the disobedience does because I am trying to trust myself. When I want to be like God, I try and be like God, and I realize I'm a failure. And then pride and arrogance comes in. And then I've got to prove to myself and God and the universe that I can be like God. And what happens? I cannot have relationship with Him because I'm fake. And this this part of the story, when God comes, He comes when He comes. Did He know it was happening? Did He know they were eating the fruit they shouldn't eat? not a trick question he's omnipotent right omniscient he knows everything he's everywhere he's got all power he knew now if i was god i'd be like flying out of heaven with a broomstick and smacking it out you know (laughs) smashing the serpent into smithereens sorry i must use an inappropriate word (laughs) beating the devil Um, but he doesn't why Because he doesn't change. Nothing in the story changes who he is. And he comes when he comes. And he is who he is and he does what he does. They're hiding in a bush with fig leaves on for underpants. Who's changed? Who's manifested? Not God. And their shame is so great that they cannot present themselves to this God they have walked naked with every second they've been in that garden. Think about that. One second. Their shame was not the result of God seeing them. It was the result of them seeing themselves in sin. And all of this answers that question what happened from it was very good to this moment? This is what happened. And it's the daily reality for millions and millions and millions of people on this planet right now, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's been our reality. At one time it absolutely was. None of us were born saved. Yeah. We've all lived this. And so that's the story of how holiness was lost. And so what did we lose? Just to... Make it absolutely clear what we did lose in the fall. Well, we lost connection with God. And now we experience separation. Has anybody ever felt far from God? Has anybody ever felt like it's hard to reach Him? Yeah? That's because of the fall. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear. That's a hard scripture, right? But you know what? I love the way Isaiah writes it. He said, listen to those words. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You see, God doesn't move in this equation. God is not changed by your sin or my sin or Putin's sin or anybody's sin. He is who he is. We think God is so skittish and scared that the second we sin, he just runs screaming. What does Isaiah say? Your sin has separated you from God, not him from you. Do you get that? Otherwise, how do we repent? Because it's not by works. He's made a choice. If you are his child tonight, he has made a choice. You are his. When you sin, you leave. And then it's our choice whether we take three minutes, three hours, three days, three weeks, three years, 62 years, to come back to him or not. But he doesn't leave. We lost our right standing with God. Ephesians 3 verse 7 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We lost our confidence and we now experience shame. As as Genesis 3-7 says, they knew they were naked. You know you're naked. You know. I know. That's what the fall has done for us. We lost our connection with others and now experience broken relationships. You know that's right. The world is a scary place. It can be. We lost our awareness of how terrible sin is. And now we attempt to justify our sin. Later in the story, Adam in Genesis 3, verse 12, he says, It's this woman you gave me. And she says, It was the snake. And then, as some pastor said, And the snake had no leg to stand on. Um, (laughs) But that's what we do. It's not my fault. It's the government, it's the church, it's my teacher. But the one thing that was not lost because of sin was God's pursuit of fallen humanity. See, the story challenges us that we have to acknowledge the consequences of sin, that we have to recognize our need for a Savior, and we have to embrace the restoration offered through Jesus Christ, because there is nothing else. Our self-righteousness will kill us and destroy the world around us. And so as awful as the story is, it tells us something. And maybe tonight, as I've been speaking, you've realized that you've lived out these losses because of the fallenness of mankind, right? And maybe you're realizing that you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're realizing that you did, but you've lived like you didn't. And so later tonight, we're going to give you an opportunity to to make Him your Lord and Savior we are going to give you an opportunity to recommit. And so if that's you, get ready to do that because God's going to meet you. You see, this verse of what we did, what we gained through Jesus Christ, this verse, and the Lord God made for Adam, for his wife, garments of skin and clothed them. So it's a little obscure, right? You're going, what are you talking about? What did God do? God literally slaughtered an animal and wrapped the skins around them because their fig leaves weren't working. What this says, it speaks to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because those skins were bloody. It's gross, right? It's awful for our 2024 minds to comprehend. But it's such a beautiful picture that they had to leave the garden because of their sin, because their sin separated them from God. But do you see God loving them, making a way, making a plan? In fact, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Before any of this happened, he was already the slain lamb. And this is proof of it. And so the good news about holiness lost is that it can be restored, that it is restored. And that is the point of this whole story. And that is why you have to acknowledge your sin. Because if you don't have sin, you don't need a savior. If you're sitting out tonight and you don't think you've got sin, you are self-righteous. It's false and it's fake all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god but i oh, will come back there in a moment oops <laughs> this verse where they once try to cover their own sin god is covering them again which is just awesome and this quote just amazing. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man puts himself where only God deserves to be, and God puts himself where only man deserves to be. You get that. We should have died. We should have been crucified. We should have been beaten for our sins. What happened to Jesus? He did it. And so what we gain through Jesus Christ is that he restores our connection to him. Christ reconciled us to God and to himself. He restores our right standing with him. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And he restores our confidence before him and washes away our shame. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy. You see, God's gaze is on you. No matter how much you've sinned, He's never turned away because He has no shame. And He's not ashamed of you. You see your nakedness and you're grubbing in the dirt. I see my nakedness and I'm grubbing. That's not how God sees us. And he restores our relationship. We are reconciled into a relationship with God and we can have right relationship with others. And so the point of all of this is that God is holy. He has all authority and he is all merciful. We bring him glory by acknowledging his greatness, embracing his provision and participating in his work. We must never undermine the severity of sin. Sin will kill you. If you eat of this tree, you will die. We must never underestimate our inadequacy to resolve this on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. You are not holy. You cannot be holy. You push yourself into Jesus. He is our holiness. And we must embrace the salvation offered through Christ. And we must live out our new identity as redeemed children of God. And we must share the good news of Jesus with others. And so tonight, if you are here and you realize that you want to make Jesus Lord, maybe it's the first time, maybe it's a recommitment, whatever it is for you, won't you just, in your heart, just begin to talk to him. God, we cannot be righteous and holy in our own own right, Lord. You are our righteousness. You are our holiness, Lord God. You are the one who comes and restores us. You're the one who covers us in the blood of your precious son, Lord God. You are the one who pulls us close to you and cleanses us, Lord God. And Lord God, wherever we are tonight, God, wherever we failed, wherever we've fallen, wherever we've done good, Lord, all we want is you. All we want is you, Lord God. We want to live right. We want to please you. We want to make a difference in this world. And that's only going to happen through being holy, as you are holy. And you've done everything. And so I'm going to ask us to stand. And if you, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you want to recommit, guys, just be bold. There is no shame here tonight. There is only God's glory and favor and pleasure. Come down the front. If that's you, come out of your seat, bring your belongings with you and come down the front just as a sign to yourself and to God that you are making this commitment to Him. If there's anybody in the house that needs to do that, this is the moment. You can come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.